All right, guys, here we go. Huge episode of the Nordies podcast. Tons of news. We talk about the new mountain in uh, streaming services. We also are going to talk all about WandaVision and our new rewatch, Sherlock Holmes. Here we go, Nordies podcast. And here we go, Nordy's Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Doing excellent, my friend. Oh boy, I'm good. You? I'm great. We got a huge episode for you guys today. Uh, before we dive into that, we are going to need you guys to get on social media, get on Twitter, get on Instagram, and follow us at Nordy's Podcast. Subscribe on any pl- platform that you get your favorite podcast from. Get the Nordy's Podcast directly to your phone or your device each and every week. And also... Hit us up on social media. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want us to cover. Tell us what we got wrong. I I actually appreciate it when people are like, you said it was this person, but it was actually this person. I actually like Love that. do that. So please keep us on our toes. Keep us in line. We do this for you guys. We are your best friend, the Nordies Podcast. And we love when you guys interact with us, when you guys send us memes and funny things, when you guys tell us stories, whatever, whatever it is. So hit us up this week. Uh, on our Instagram, and even on our Twitter. Who's going to see it on the Twitter? Eric, that's your domain, well, right? I'll see it. Remember we, used, remember we used to have a correction segment? We have, mm-hmm. we have stopped doing that because we've well, made we've so many so mistakes. <laughs> I was going to say the other way. We make so <laughs> many mistakes and say so much dumb stuff. We'd spend 25 minutes each episode. be like, actually, uh, Barter last week said that uh, whatever you know something stupid yeah. about star wars that i thought was true harry and, and the henderson's was not directed by ridley scott apparently but we <laughs> somebody came after us all right guys so um we are gonna dive into this episode but before we do what are you guys drinking tonight Ooh, i'm drinking a nice beer an exciting beer um i am drinking modest and dangerous man came together for this apiary drip um it's a double dry hopped honey cream double IPA. I don't know what all that means, but I'll tell you what. It's really good. It's not too sweet, and I'm loving it. Uh, and it is a little strong. It's 8.4%. So this was one that they were going to release like a, a couple weeks ago, and it wasn't ready. And Modest does it right and doesn't release something unless it's perfect. So it, w- it was now ready, and, and it's out there for folks. I think it's good. They, you know, I'm drinking isn't that the a second iteration of that? Or something. I feel like I've had that before. Yeah, maybe. I thought it was new, but I don't know. I like it. First time I'm trying it, I think. Ditto. Having the same thing. It is really good, actually. Um, I actually don't like honey beers, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Same. I think this is good. Yeah. So I'm coming it's not- this, I don't even like honey beers. I usually think honey is kind of a gross flavor in beer, and I think that this is very tasty. So mm-hmm. they obviously did it right. If I think a flavor in a beer that I'm not really fond of is, is really good. Perfect. I mean, I don't know if this is, this is an unpopular opinion, but I think honey is not a good taste in general. And it has nothing to do with beers. That's unpopular. Okay. I like honey. Yeah, it is. I, I like honey. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so this is one I'm drinking the one that you guys, uh, or I think Jimbo, you already posted about uh, Tyler Winterfeld dropped off. I'm drinking the Ven uh, Tropicopia. Yes. So get out of here with your week 8.4 ABV. Mine's 8.5. Uh, <laughs> New England double IPA uh, from Venn in South Minneapolis. And this beer is really solid. 
really I love, good. Uh, I, just, I, I, I love the fruited the fruited IPAs are where it's at. That whole crawler. That's his plan. All right, guys. Here. Oh, I already I already shared it. So oh. I'm I'm only drinking about half. So sorry. You, here we go. Do we care, guys? We're gonna start with the biggest news of the week. That's always from Marvel, it seems. And that's Spider-Man officially gets its title for Spider-Man 3. It's called Spider-Man No Way Home. We know it's going to be Spider-Man, multiverse, Spider-Verse kind of storyline, but not yet that we believe anything to do with Miles Morales. This is most likely going to be um, furthering the Spider-Man story that we know, but including maybe some of the past Spider-Mans. Is that still a rumor? Yeah. I mean, they casted all those people. Jamie Foxx as Electro and Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. So... I think that he will be falling into some kind of nexus and be cruising around from different realities and different different universes, collecting people, maybe building a team um, to face somebody, maybe Kang. So I think it makes sense. I hope there is a way home for him at the end. Uh, I, I don't think this is like, you know, the death of Spider-Man or something, but it is a pretty ominous title. Um, I think it's going to be, yeah, just... Uh not able to navigate the multiverse yet. And so I think it's going to be something like that. I am really looking forward to this. And um, the idea that he could go into a different time or universe wouldn't make sense because he was gone in the snap during uh, Endgame. And so when they were using the pin particles to um, go into the quantum realm and travel through time and, probably go off into different universes he was not part of that okay so he so he's gonna have to be brought there then or sent there by some evil being or something right this isn't something he's just gonna like stumble upon right oh yeah i think he'll get wrapped up in it honestly we might know more about how that could come together after the final episode of wandavision oh yeah yeah i mean we might already be getting clues to that um, you know, they've talked about the Nexus, which is supposedly where it's so thin, the fabric, that you can move between universes, right? And it's supposed to be highly, you know, a guarded area. And then in each world, there's an area like that. It's supposed to be in the Everglades, I guess, in the comics. It seems to be in Westview, New Jersey, in in the MCU. So I think we're going to already get into it pretty quick here. Um, all right, so sticking with some Marvel stuff, we also found out that the Bad Batch, uh, which is going to be an extension of Clone Wars, um, the cartoon series, focusing on a rambunctious group of um, clones, uh, looking like stormtroopers, for those of you guys who aren't big Star Wars fans. Uh, they are called the Bad Batch. They were in a bunch of those episodes. They weren't very cool in those episodes. Even. They're getting their own cartoon. Oh. And it's coming out on May the 4th. May the 4th Di- be with you. Di- Disney's been dying to release something on May the 4th. So I think this is what better time to dump something like this. Yeah. Um, if That you think, you know, Eric, I didn't watch Clone Wars, but if you think that it's not interesting, then we'll probably pass on it. But, you know, I thought it was worth mentioning as Disney Plus and the Star Wars universe, universe is continuing to ramp up. Uh, production and releases of new content. Mm-hmm. Now, Clone Wars is totally worth the watch. They just aren't that cool in Clone Wars. Well, you need the Tyler of Winterfell uh, episode list, right? Isn't that mm-hmm. what we need? 
You need the, the, the need to watch episodes to figure out which ones to skip and which ones to skip is kind of a lot. So it is good when you, when you cut it down from seven seasons to three and a half seasons. Yeah, nice. fair enough. Uh, also, we found out that Marvel's Loki uh, is going to be premiering on June 11th, the day before my birthday. I can't wait. For my it's going to be a big show. Huge show. I think that this show will be bigger than WandaVision. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's got Owen Wilson in it, obviously Tom Hiddleston. I think that this show is going to be chapter two of this uh, multiverse story that starts with WandaVision. And I think mm-hmm. chapter three will be Spider-Man. Chapter four will be um, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So. so either Wanda opens up the multiverse here in WandaVision or maybe later on with her powers. Or Loki did it when he took when he you know remember they they really stressed we have to keep the the timeline together. Mm-hmm. Well, when when they fucked up and Loki grabbed that cosmic cube and took off, that was creating a new reality. They never followed up on it, but that's what the show is. So where he went and all the cascading effects that's going to have, um, and so he maybe is the one that's opening this multiverse with all his antics. So. At some point, we're going to find out, but I think this is going to be an important show. Maybe maybe even more important to the overall story of where the MCU is headed than WandaVision. See, I think WandaVision yeah, think- is the perfect start to this, and this is going to be like, if you like WandaVision, like, here we go. We're going to dive even deeper into what has happened and what has come from that. Well, and think about think about just the, the sheer volume from where WandaVision started to where it is now. As like, I don't know if it's literally the most streamed TV show, uh, but it's in the top five, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, they're Disney's garnering all the you know the new subscribers, and they're going to drop you know kind of a I would say more definitely more loved as a character Loki by mm-hmm. a lot, right. um, especially early on. Maybe that waned a little bit as as all the movies went on, but um, they're going to like hop right back into it and they teased it and we can get into this with WandaVision later, but um, with his, you know, scepter kind of coming back into Wanda's memories. And I think it's going to be like, like you guys both said, just elevating what Wanda set as a great foundation for these TV shows. Yeah. I can't wait. Great news. Can't wait. I don't care. So, We'll move over to the other big superhero franchise, that's DC, and there's uh, some talk of DC rebooting Superman. I don't know if it's totally official yet, but it sounds like that's the direction that they want to go, and the rumor is that it is going to be a black Superman. Now, I'm, I'm curious, is this is the character called Black Superman, or is this just Superman casted as a black man? It's, it's the Superman story cast as a black dude. Okay, thank you. So, but with it, you know, they're not going to, it's not going to be a black superhero comes in and is just raised by a white family in Kansas. Like that, that, you know what I mean? That's boring mm-hmm. and it's been done. And then there's really no point to like make it a deal, which, which actually would be totally fine with me. You know, you just have a black actor instead, but um, I think it will be about blackness on some level and how his story would be different how his experience would be different coming up as a, as a black superhero would, would people be more afraid of him um, that aren't, you know, accepting in, in wherever the hell he, this character is going to be from. 
it could be interesting. I think there's a lot to work with there. So, and they have this great writer that Eric knows everything about this dude. Yeah, so Tanahasi Coates is going to write this story, it sounds like. That's what it sounds like, yeah. And who's this guy? Tanahasi Coates is a very important, serious journalist who writes for The Atlantic and does write a lot about race, writes a lot about the black experience in America. And famously, he was the one who wrote the Black Panther reboot comic um, that kind of you know, came before uh, the Black Panther movie that came out. And so in okay. recent years, he kind of like redid Black Panther as like this, um, you know, proud, uh, badass, you know, African king who mm-hmm. like, he kind of blended traditional Africa with like, you know, the black experience in America, I feel like. Okay, yeah. Amazing job. People thought it was great. Um, and he's going to be tasked with doing this now. So I think that's a huge get for them, a really respected name and not just someone who's like a, a respected writer of comics, but like a journalist who's one of Yeah. He's the so he writes fiction and nonfiction at high levels. Huh? Yeah. So I think that's really that's great. Well, then this project sounds infinitely more interesting to me than just another reboot with a Henry Cavill lookalike and, Dude, how many times have we seen that story? We've just oh, over and over again. This would be an actual... They can do an origin story here, and I'd be interested in it, as opposed to, like, the, if they just had another white dude, they would probably just drop you in, like they did almost when they had those um, movies with Brandon Ruth. You know, they didn't have an origin for him. He was just already Superman. I hate Superman because um, I can't... It's just like when I see um, Godzilla or King Kong, I just can't, like stop thinking of the flaws in the story. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like if there's a story now where it was like Home Alone and he didn't have a cell phone or the, the internet. Right. Like, well, how come he doesn't have the internet? Like, how are you going to explain that? And so, to me, I have a hard time with Superman because they're like, he can fly the speed of light. He can literally change weather with how fast he flies. Faster than a speeding bullet. But somehow he still loses fistfights. Yeah. I'm like, dude, to keep it interesting. I'm like, guy could fly through 200 people's chests, turning them into paste without <laughs> ever having them even know what happened to them. And for some reason, he like loses to Batman. Yeah. <laughs> because their mom had the same name. Martha. Good on it. Love it. They're gonna- um, one, other, one other thing to note on that um, is that this will be produced by J.J. Abrams. And bad robot. So, just just, uh, and that that's not to be like, well, there's also a white dude involved. I just mean from a backing of a really good studio, from a CG and lighting and art direction and all that perspective, that's going to really help this movie be what it should be. I that's great. Yeah, that is good news. That's a professional production company right there. So sticking with uh, DC, they're also announcing that they're going to be making a Blue Beetle, uh, I don't know, series, show? Uh, It's a a movie. Movie? Uh, Blue Beetle is going to be a Latino superhero. And I appreciate this because I think that it's it's really easy for me, and I feel like we're talking a lot about race here, but bravo to DC for making us talk about race. I feel like, you know, for me, it's not difficult. Uh, to look at superheroes who look a lot like me or, 
you know, growing up, superheroes who look like my my dad or my neighbors, you know, and I'm sure that it must be really awkward for people who want those same stories, but the superheroes never look like them. And so mm-hmm. Marvel going into East Asia and, um, you know, Superman being black, possibly, and Blue Beetle being a Latino superhero. I love the idea that these superheroes don't all look like the same person and mm-hmm. that they do represent the world's population better. And so to me, I think this is a great move by DC and I applaud their efforts to bring more diversity into um, some stories that lack diversity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I know very little about Blue Beetle. He looks kind of cool. Um, he's got like a blue and black costume. Um but I'm sure we'll find out more. And as we find out who's directing it and all those things, we'll, we'll circle back and try to make our best judgment if it's going to be good. But yeah, man, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. And then um, again, I think I talked about this last week, pushing the competition to make decisions, to do it, to do these type of things too. And hopefully this will leak over into other studios Mm -hmm. and realize, Hey, you can do this too. And it's not that big of a deal. Unless you're from CPAC, yeah, right. and then, it's, then, then it's canceling of the white people, and we're just gonna we're just gonna have immigrant superheroes. Is that what you're telling me? Like, just, <laughs> this is America. Just, yeah, just preposterous statement. So I'm totally on board with this. Like I know nothing about Blue Beetle, and I guarantee I'm gonna go see this in the theater. A hundred percent. Sweet. All right, some other uh, news from some streaming services and different TV stations. We found out that Stanley Tucci's. Um, Show is renewed. What's the show called? Finding Italy. Uh, Stanley yeah. Tucci's all over Italy. I believe is what I it's watched called. the first episode of it. It was great. Um, yeah, it's great. It was a lot of work done by a good friend of ours, Scott Jesser's uh, super talented girlfriend, Whitney Berry, and uh, she works for like the um, CNN uh, uh, documentaries department, and they've done cool. a lot of the big documentaries over the last few years, and so she put in a lot of work to make this thing possible. And I really, really liked the first episode. I thought it was awesome. And Sam mm-hmm. is just one of the most likable celebrities that there is. So, yeah, he's great. Shout out to Whitney. That is super cool. Um, you know, he's not, he's not as edgy as like Anthony Bourdain, who is the ultimate travel host. I think we can agree on nothing ever touched his travel shows. I don't think, but, um, but he's good, man. He's just like, Stanley Tucci's so likable. He relates to everybody, and he's got style, baby. I don't know that thin little body, that little tiny body with cool clothes on, killing it all over the world. All right, hey, and shout out to Eric. Way to support one of your good buddies' wives by watching one episode. Girlfriend, <laughs> girlfriend. Sorry, she's calling me. If they get married, he'll watch the second one. Okay, <laughs> you can't commit that much. I will watch more of it because it was a very good show. Well, there's only been two episodes out. The third one's airing tonight, so you're not, like, playing catch-up. I'm just teasing. Don't ruin it. I'm just trying to give Eric a hard time here on the pot. <laughs> it's tough. All right, so Netflix to spend $500 million on new Korean content. I'm assuming a lot of this will be, um, you know, attempting to be uh, like the, I don't know what to call the genre of, of Bong. What's his? What They're like he does like um, social commentary thriller stuff. Um, so about I mean, parasite, like, if you think of, like I think that they're going to have a deal with like Chanwook Park will probably do something. Who does more like kind of horror and like really freaky, kind of depraved stories? 
Um, and then you got um, Bong, who Bong Ho does these really awesome social commentary things like Parasite, right? Like class class issues. Um, that'll probably be coming. And uh, dude, just like a ton out, outside of Hollywood, I think that my favorite stuff comes from South Korea. Give me all the South Korean content they can give us. Mm-hmm. Give it. You guys I even like that horror movie all. that was like pretty good, right? It was like the phone like called back in time, and they were trying to help each other or whatever in the the house. That was great. Uh, Train to Busan was oh, great. So good. Um, lots of great content. I mean, I was I was on a big South Korean movie TV show kick. Could not get through Old Boy though. Couldn't get through old boy. Uh, maybe it was just the wrong time. You know, you know, like sometimes you got to be in the mood to watch something like that. And I, maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, everything that I've seen has been fantastic mm-hmm. and would watch more of it. So I yep. can't wait. Good stuff. Uh, so we all know now that the new thing is um, the most valuable thing you can have is a universe, right? And so everyone's trying to create their own new universes. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll get to, uh, Paramount plus in a few minutes here. Um, they're going to try to do a star Trek universe is going to be one of their big things. Um, obviously star Wars and Marvel with Disney DC has been trying to get themselves off the ground for a while. Harry Potter, game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, you name it. Everyone is trying to come up with their universe. Um, the villains of Spider-Man without Spider-Man universe. That's my favorite. Um, <laughs> Mad Max yeah. universe. Um, you know, they go on and on and on and on and on. And everybody um, has tried to create their own. And the latest one is on Disney Plus as they are trying to make a Magic Kingdom universe. Uh, this sounds not for me. Yeah. No, I think this is probably going to be kind of dumb. So uh, have you guys been to Magic Kingdom? And, you, uh, you know, the big long time ago, Disney yeah. World? So, like... You know, there's the there's different kingdoms within it, right? So you go in. One of them is the the kingdom of Tomorrowland, right? And it's like some futuristic space pods flying around and whatever. And then you jog over, you know, hundred feet to this side. You enter a new area that's like, all right, this is spooky. Now there's like Tower of Terror over here, the Haunted Mansion, and then you go down, and then you're in like the Magic Kingdom truly area where you're at the castle and there's the princesses. So I guess the idea is to make that a universe and then introduce characters that can travel between these places, you know, on some kind of story, there's some kind of, they're collecting something from everywhere to fight off an evil, who fucking cares? It's probably gonna be dumb, but that's what they're, they're going for. Um, it may, I mean, if the show is any good, it would be, it would make the park more fun to visit. So it's kind of a good idea. I'm sure it will, if it's a decent show, it will drive some traffic back into the parks, which are kind of hurting right now. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, sort of into it. I don't think I care officially yet. But it's going to be on Disney Plus, so we'll have it if we want to watch it. I don't care at all. Probably don't care. Maybe my kids will. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but it begs the question, Jibbo. What's the ETA on your kids asking to go to Disney World to go see Harry Potter Land? That's universal. It's, But they're oh, okay, in the same whatever. city. You, know, whatever. you definitely same do both. Difference. Um, yeah, I mean, they're into it. They're, you know, Billy seven, he's, he's understands it's a place. I don't think he's ever been to a theme park really. Um, so I don't think he really gets what it would be all about. So I'm kind of 
shielding him from that. Keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's talk of a Disney cruise, like, in the fall. You're going on a Disney cruise? I don't know. Maybe. Wow. Yeah, we'll see. You good we'll at see what cruises are like. Are you I don't want to be the cruise that brings COVID back. Are you good at being on a boat? I like, uh, Dude, cruises, fantastic. Come on. Okay. Just making sure. All right. Yeah. We are going to now uh, climb the mountain of entertainment as a new uh, streaming service. Paramount Plus comes this week. March 4th is the official day. It's been out with a really catchy name, CBS All Access. Okay, dropping that. They're dropping that. They're moving to Paramount Plus, and they're going to have a bunch of new content. Like I said, one of their big things is going to be a Star Trek universe. They have both animated, old, new um, Star Trek shows. Well, there's been a show that's gotten pretty good reviews happening this whole time. It's been happening. We have not watched it, but it's on CBS All Access. Um, and then, like, Jordan Peele made a Twilight Zone show, which wasn't good for CBS. Um, otherwise, I haven't been tempted by CBS All Access. But, Eric, you're telling me they're coming with hot shit, so I don't know. Well, I know Eric, Eric and I have CBS All Access for the same reason, and I know what that is. Champions League, Europa League are on CBS All Access, which is awesome. Champions League and Europa League. So and three days then, after. Yeah, so now... Because he has it, he's probably delved into some of the content that's I, there. I wanted to do a rewatch of the the challenge, like I told you guys. They have pretty much every season of the challenge is on there. They have all, oh, all okay. television shows on there. Just like you want to be nostalgic, they probably have some cool stuff that you uh, watched back in the day or you missed. Um, so they have a ton of stuff on there for that. They have a bunch of movies on there for free. I believe right now they have all the Harry Potter movies on there. Um, and then they're going to be dropping a bunch of their own content as well. They announced this week a uh, Workaholics movie, which I am definitely going to watch. Mm-hmm. Never got into them. I actually liked their stupid movie on Netflix. I kind of did too. I liked it. It was like it wasn't good, but it was like a fresh. Like for me, it was entertaining enough to watch. I think it might have been bad, and yeah, I oh, it was still enjoyed it. Even though at multiple times I was like, this is really bad. I mean, I think someone's penis got blown off. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty ridiculous. I thought it was like almost like multiple times like that happened. I don't know. <laughs> it was over the top. It was funny. It was really stupid, but like it made me laugh a bunch. So I'm excited about that. A Workaholics movie coming out on Paramount+. Plus. We also are going to get a new Paranormal Activity, which I don't know how good the last like six Paranormal Activities have been, but the first one or two were awesome. I think this is like a sequel to the first one. Oh, I, the first two, I don't know how many there have been, but the first two, I liked both of them a lot. There's been a lot. They were um, really cool. With diminishing returns, for sure. There's going to be a new Pet cemetery on there as well. And okay. That's going to be a prequel. I think the one that we're the most excited about, though, is the live-action Halo series. Yeah, that's a big deal. Oh, I think that if they go big budget on this, and they have the, I don't know what they're called, whatever the aliens are called. And then they have the, the flood. Yeah, that'll be scary. Which will be really scary if they do. I think it this probably. is going to be a PG-13. Like the game is mature, right? So although kids may may know it and have played it, you know, you're blasting off fucking, it's it's very violent. You know what I mean? I, so I hope this is an R-rated show. 
I think that at this point, there's only two different types of things that make money. And that is um, really high level. I'm sorry, three things. Reality TV, really high level um, adult shows that are like a universe that they like or a story that they like that's really complicated and has lots of twists and turns. And then um, bingeable children shows. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they have to choose children's show or adult show. I think they're going adult. They know that kids don't care about Halo. They know that a bunch of people grew up on Halo. I think that they're going to make this like, they're going to do their best to have their version of Mandalorian here. Well, all their Mandalorian is like PG. Most of the shows we're excited about and most excited about are children's shows. I mean, WandaVision is, is, is PG to PG 13. Maybe. Um, I guess Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to be more like PG like 15, 16, which is not a thing, but they're calling it that. Um, but most of the shows that we're really into are like for children, you guys. Thanks for that. I mean, Mandalorian Mandalorian opens with like him having a dude chopped in half through a door that closes, you know? So I don't... Yeah, that's, that's pretty would... normal Star Wars fare, though. You didn't see a blood bunch of blood squirt, you know? Like, you get it, but it's... I guess um, it's PG-13, but they don't, they don't even say... They don't say shit. They don't have, you know, obviously they don't say anything worse than that. So it's pretty, um, it's pretty tame. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think the Halo audience, like everyone's 40. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I don't see any, I mean, what was the last one that was released? Like Halo Reach from like PlayStation never, 3 time? Like, there, yeah. I mean, Halo nobody. Reach, never look back, I think it was called. Nobody, <laughs> nobody that is like under 20 is playing halo except for like oh look at this cute game where like nothing happens and it's linear and we don't play those type of things i think they can easily go for like the adult version of halo and it will be significantly more popular than like uh we're releasing a new game so we're trying to get a bunch of new you know uh players on our platform because we're doing something different this time i I hope that's not the way they go well they are with their new Xbox, they're releasing a new oh, Xbox they, they do have a new game. Yeah. But I do think that this is a cool story that I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long for someone. Oh, it's Halo been in games. production, pre-production hell forever. I mean, the they tried to make a movie. Microsoft dumped a ton of money. They've written three scripts and thrown them all away. Um, this That's because video tra- game adaptations stink. Yep, it does. Um, so we'll see. But I I think it's got you know new life here as a, as a show. I'm excited about this. This is a show that I think I will check out like the day it drops. It'll be, it'll be a little less than a, a year, I guess it's, it's kind of like quarter one, 2022. So I'm we shall see. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure by then I will have been a long time customer of, of fucking Paramount plus. So well, that's just and how these things go. after Arsenal wins Europa league this year, mm-hmm. Eric's going to need to keep the subscription to watch the champions league. Knockout stage. So he'll definitely have it by the time. League and they don't turn it around in time. I'm going to need it to watch the Europa Conference, the third tournament that's being introduced next year. <laughs> that's right. Yes. With the name the Europa Conference, which is the worst name I've ever heard. So exciting. Um, all right. So we'll move into some hot wrecks for today. Actually, we'll move into some hot wreck as uh, we just have one this week. Jimmy Channels, you watched a movie that uh, Netflix is really proud of. What is it? So I watched um, I Care A Lot. Uh, Rosamund Pike. You, she doesn't work a lot. But do you remember her from Gone Girl? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. She's playing the same character. Um, she's so good at it. She's like, she plays this like cool, you know, attractive ice queen. That's like her thing. She's like a total psychopath. Sociopath probably is better. Um, and there's no, no exception here. She's like this high powered person that, that is like a ward for old people. So she has a doctor on, on the take that like says, okay, this old rich person is, um, they don't have a lot of family. And now they say they're pre, um, you know, some kind of mental decline. So then she gets assigned that their case. She sticks them in an old folks home and then spends all their money. And it's all kind of like, it's, it's pretty horrible, but she's the main character. Um, but you know, she goes after the wrong old woman and you get some like, you know, Russian mob ties going and, uh, it's, it's all pretty good. It's sometimes silly, sometimes over the top, but her, her character and her performance is, is probably worth the watch. So it's kind of, it's like a hard R rated movie. I would check it out. I think it's like a, it's not a tepid wreck. It's like a. Um, it's like you took the pizza out of the oven and then waited like 20 minutes instead of 10 minutes. You see where I'm at? Yeah. So it's good. It's, it's good. It's just not like, go watch it right now. Just check it out. All right. So you still burn, you still burn your mouth, but it was totally worth it. Yeah, exactly. Once you get to the, you know, molted inside. All right, guys, we are moving on to our latest rewatch series. Okay. We're on to a, just a short one. There's only two movies in this one, but we are starting our latest and that is going to be called Rewatch, My Dear Watson. Ooh, I like that. You like that? Hell yeah. That's good. I do. That was a surprise, but it works. That's good. That's good. Um, so we watched the 2009 Robert Downey Jr., Jude Law, Rachel McAdams, and uh, what's the villain's name? Mark Strong. Mark Strong, mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes, uh, a reboot of the Sherlock Holmes um, universe. Since we've mm-hmm. been talking a lot about universes. Yeah. Um, I think that this is a universe that I am desperate for more. I want more content here. I want more of this. Um, I think that uh, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark, right? Like, Tony Stark is Robert Downey Jr. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And he's better as Sherlock. I think so, too. This was He's just absolutely captivating in this. He was born to play this character. And in did this... He, so, so the question is, did he have to kind of cease doing Sherlock because of Marvel? Like, what, like uh, just from, like, a scheduling and timing and all that, you know what I mean? Like... Like you can't be Sherlock and Iron Man at the same time, you know, kind of thing, or it was becoming too big. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the second one was maybe not as well received, but still made some good money. So you'd think that they would have made a third and Guy Ritchie, like it wasn't like he just started blow up with other projects. Like he was pretty much on the decline ever since. I, I think that this series is like, I feel the same way about the series as I do about the Daniel Craig Bond series. That's how much I like it. Yeah. I think that they could put out a movie every year or every eight years, and I would be just as excited um, no matter what kind of, uh, you know, work rate they had in putting these things out. I can't Mm -hmm. wait for the next one. We'll dive into this first one, Sherlock Holmes. 
Um, but I think that this universe is perfect. We'll set the scene. It starts in 1890 in the absolutely dirty, disgusting underbelly of London. This is like scramble for Africa, colonialism, imperialism, uh, England at this point, mm -hmm. Victorian era. And Sherlock Holmes is the greatest mind of his time, a detective who is uh, working this dangerous case uh, with, I don't know, how would you describe what was happening in this first scene? Um, I mean, he's, uh, he's cracking a case of the occult, right? So um, it's an old trope for, okay, I read all these books. So I, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll try not to like keep referencing them, but the books are amazing. You know, they were like just pulp newspaper. Like people ate these things up back in the day. Um, and Sherlock was this amazing character from that. And they actually were pretty true to it. So this is like, you know, people are doing ritual sacrifices. There's a, you know, a dark order, organized evil. Um, that's all pretty much par for the course. And he's, you actually come in at a cool time where he's, he's arrested. He's, you know, they're coming in and he's cracking this case right at the beginning. Yeah. So this is, uh, Lord Blackwood is what we find out as he is having a woman who's obviously possessed or poisoned or drugged or something. And she is uh, about to um, stab herself to death. And he has guards all over the place. You get an amazing fight scene. I think that the most underrated part of this series is the fight scenes. Oh, great. And not just the slow motion ones, like just the ones where like they're just duking it out with whatever they have around them. I think those scenes look incredible. Mm -hmm. They yeah, are so fun. Yeah. Guy Ritchie does a really good job with those. And he did that with snatch um, with, with the boxing scenes and you can see the similarities. And I think, I, I think that the fight scenes are good, but I really, I don't know why. And there's only a couple of them, but those slow-mo things where he explains them, like why he's doing why I'm doing it in this order on purpose mm -hmm. because all everything that he does is logical, right? It's it's all thought out ahead of time, but his brain works so quickly. And then they have the explanation, the exposition, and then he executes it. And so like the explanation takes a minute, mm -hmm. but the actual fight takes like four seconds. Yeah. It's just so beautiful and well shot and well done. And well described, um, but yeah, that opening scene sets the tone for the remainder of the movie, mm -hmm. and it does a really good job of showing you, like Eric said, how down and dirty and kind of gross, and there's so much underground stuff going on. Um, and Sherlock is no stranger to get his hands dirty and stuff like that, and it's mm -hmm. really cool. I love the. Um cat and mouse game between Blackwood and Sherlock and he, you know, goads uh, Watson into like attacking him almost. And Sherlock stops him at the last possible second as this super thin, uh, almost invisible blade is about to impale Watson. Yeah. I thought that was so cool and so exciting. And there were so many cool, so many smart little surprises like that. Like, I don't think you can do a Sherlock movie unless you have a very, very fucking smart team of writers because you have to be smarter than the audience or else there's like, that's the coolest part, right? Like the surprises, the like 
oh, wow, I wouldn't have thought of that, and I didn't, and now I'm surprised by it. I thought that uh, they nailed it right from the get-go. The chemistry between Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law is awesome. It was it was, it was, was perfect. Yeah. Perfect. They're so perfect. I think that um, these two guys were born for these roles. Like, I, I just, in my mind, they're it's one of the most perfect castings that I remember yeah. from a movie. Um, it almost makes me upset that Jude Law wasn't involved in Marvel somehow. He was. Like, just... Huh? He was. Well, yeah, yeah, but I meant more like more prominently. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. It's funny when just when you think like, oh yeah, he wasn't. No, he was in there. Everybody was in there. Yeah, uh, Captain Marvel, eh, kind of a skipper. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, in this, then you have uh, obviously Watson is engaged to be married, or he's about to be. They're working their final case together, this Blackwood case, and uh, you know, you have the entire game being played between the two of them as uh, Sherlock tries to play to Watson's sense of adventure to get him back in on this case that he kind of knows he can. Uh, He's trying to play to his sympathies, to his fears, and to his adventure to get him to come back to this case that he has claimed many times that he's out of. But it becomes apparent that he cannot separate himself from the adventure of the the cases themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that was why they did such a... uh, they made a point of talking about how Watson is a military man, you know, in the sort of the exposition at the dinner scene with when Sherlock first meets Mary, they kind of made it seem like if there's some, if there's wrong being done, Watson is going to step in, even if it's against his better judgment, you know, even, you know, with Mary involved. And I think that was a kind of a very poignant description of Watson as a character. And which is why Sherlock would be like, yeah, I'm going into this building by myself. And then just walks away from Watson, knowing 100% he's going to follow him in there to make sure that right is done. You know, the the things are done right, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, as far as like enforcing the laws and stuff like that. So I love this. I think that out of most of the Sherlock stuff I've watched, although this seems like some big action movie and you assume it's not going to be true to the books. It's like really close. I mean, the characterization is spot on. I think that they kind of played up some of the things like in the in the books. The characterization of Sherlock is like perfect. I mean, he's aloof. He's a loner. He's always a step ahead. He's totally infallible. Um, but they don't really play up the loneliness that must be there. They don't really talk about that. But of course, it makes sense when you're trying to make it real and, you know, to an audience to play that up, right? Of course, that'd be part of it. And then in the books, Watson is like gung fucking ho, like so excited to be working there. He was never hesitant, always wanted to be it. And then Sherlock was like more like, I don't really need you, but I guess I could use your gun on this one if you want to come with, you know. But other than that, like, dude, it's like really true to the spirit of of the whole thing. So I like that they... You know, you're living in a world of logic, so you didn't expect that the supernatural stuff was real. But mm-hmm. as the things happened and they were difficult, uh, you know, at the very least, to explain how they would happen in the natural world, um, Blackwood obviously playing up the supernatural stuff, you know, you, you have to start questioning it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, like, Sherlock coming back to logic and reason and, finding scientific answers to the questions is the best part of the whole series. It's what you pay for. It's the answers. 
that you need and the way that he delivers those are so great. I thought Blackwood was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like what a villain. Yeah. Well, dude, Mark Strong, one of the ultimate villain actors ever. He's so good. He's like, he seems both physically intimidating and mentally intimidating, right? Like so smart, just his like soft, menacing, deep voice is so scary. Blackwood was a great, great character. He's great. He, he, you know, uh, he's, he's hung, he's killed, he rises from the dead and he's mm-hmm. absolutely terrifying. And the people he deals with besides really Sherlock are absolutely terrified of him. And even at times Sherlock is shaken um, by the things that Blackwood is capable of doing. Now, I love, you know, like in all great movies, you have situations where your hero is in danger, they're in trouble, and then they come up with the most creative way to escape because they're one step ahead of the dimwit people that they're against. And Sherlock Holmes has many scenes like this, which I think are incredible. Um, I also love the shadow villain of Warrior uh, in the background and, you know, playing a bigger role than I even remembered uh, in this movie. Uh, working with Rachel McAdams, who is like uh, kind of bad, like kind of like villain love interest of Sherlock. She's uh, well, she's, uh, she's, she's Zephyr. No, I was gonna say she's uh, Zephyr Lynn, whatever from from Bond. Yeah, just kind of always always towing the line, and you never kind of know which side she's on until the end. Yep. Yeah, she's you know she's a notorious thief. Um, very smart, has outsmarted Sherlock Holmes, and there's really only been a couple people that have done that. So he's obsessed with her. That's true. That's true to the books. She comes and goes, and he's always like trying to find time or, or kind of excuses to work with her. Like, we really could use her here, Watson. Like, no, you, you don't need her, but okay. She's great. Um, yep. she doesn't have- Best thing Rachel McAdams has ever done. I don't know. I'm not a huge, huge fan of hers, but I thought she was so good, so beautiful, so smart in this. I loved her. She's great. She's she steals the scenes that she's in. She's not in a ton of them. You're very mm-hmm. curious about Moriarty and who he is. If you're a fan of it, I asked you the other day, Jim, if this was obvious to you right away that it was Moriarty or not. Mm-hmm. And you said yes, indeed it was. Um, I think if you're a big fan of Sherlock, you known or you were looking for him to show up. Yep. Um, but they obviously tell you that part way through story that he's Professor Mori- Moriarty and that he is um, on the same level of. Uh, intellect and intelligence as Sherlock is. And so he's obviously um, someone Sherlock seems to be very curious of, and he's a formidable foe um, by all accounts. Yep. So so they did a great job setting that up. In the end, I loved um, Sherlock's plan because it always is great when your hero um, is looks to have lost, but it's all part of their own master plan. He gets himself captured. He gets all the information about what's happening. He escapes. He set his friends up to pick him up right where he needed to escape from. And then he heads to, um, uh, was it a factory, uh, like a pig factory? Yeah. It's like a, yeah. Slaughterhouse. Like a slaughterhouse right on the river. And I thought that this was where the movie really, really, really good. Um, we're in this scene, the slaughterhouse gets blown up. Jude Law's character Watson is, you know, perceived dead maybe initially. Um, the scene is incredible. It looks so cool. The slow motion explosions as they're running, you know, he's running, trying to grab, um, who is he grabs like a, a little pallet. 
oh, to like kind of protect himself. Talent move in slow motion was really really cool. I thought they seemed, cool. yeah. The slow mo was amazing. Like they use it, and maybe that's played out now, and people don't really do it. But they, I think this was peak slow mo. You know what I mean? Matrix had been out. This was better than that. Oh, I they they. But I think, I think it was just like just overall the execution of the different phases of it. Right, uh, Watson runs through and trips it. He yells Holmes, and then the slow mo explosion for him and then the slow-mo explosion for Sherlock and then he's got to get to uh Rachel McAdams I forget her name um and he kind of gets blown to the side but then he kind of gets up grabs the palette and then they both kind of get blown up again and it was a scene that like in real time would have taken you know three seconds but they made it seem like a really like uh, just unbelievably intense because mm-hmm. you're like, uh, okay, forget Watson. You got to try to save yourself. Oh, and save her at the same time with another piece of wood kind of draping over your shoulder. Like everything you're uh, like, you have so many emotions going all in, you know, a 15 second kind of explosion scene. And it was just, just masterfully done. This was like, this was peak guy, Richie really? shooting that. Yeah, the whole thing was. Love the scene. And then you get thing in style. The whole thing is just feels fucking cool. It does. And you go, you end up going to the hospital where you find out Sherlock um, lives. You get a scene with one of the, I don't know what the police officer's name was. But he Lestrade. Was, no, not Lestrade. The other guy. Oh, I don't know. That guy was cool, though. I nice guy. And he was like, hey, man, like, Watson's okay. Get, you got to get out of here. Like, yeah. There's a warrant for your arrest. Yeah. So he goes to in disguise as the doctor. Um, for Watson, and you get a pretty touching scene with Mary and Sherlock, which I really liked as well. Mary's not in this movie a lot. She's in the second one a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think she's actually really good. I think yep. that nailed that casting as well. And her kind of giving the permission to Sherlock um, of, hey, I know I can't stop him from, from doing this stuff. You've got to do it with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they the band gets back together again. I thought that was a really cool scene. And it made me think about um, the books, which I haven't read. And I wanted to ask you this. Is there like hints of uh, homosexuality between the two of them? Um, no. I mean, you would wonder because, you know, at some point they do live together. But they would they, – do this. these are old books, man. They would never get into that or even make jokes about that in these books, you know. I, I get it. I get it. And I just, I just think that like – um, it is something that has definitely come up in recent years. You know, I'm not saying that they were there was anything between the two of them romantically in this movie, but it did make me think about Sherlock the TV show, where there is definite love interest between Sherlock and Watson. That's at first um, you're like, am I seeing this? And then you're like, it seems like it's on the down low, and then eventually it's pretty open um, by the end of the show. And so I do think that it's at least an interesting question to ask and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a cool. That seems like a, that seems like a more modern twist yeah. on Sherlock than the uh, <laughs> having lived through it. You yeah, know, yeah, in the 1900s England. Uh, so finally, you get a big scene at Parliament with Blackwood, and um, there's a huge fight. Real quick, real quick, yeah. Eric. Before we go into that, can we talk about the fight scene with the meat and potatoes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> It's such a simple fight scene, like, overall, but so well executed. 
between you know the, I love the, the big French guy. The, he's amazing, and he like with like the friendly like about it, I just loved it. There are so, but that that I don't know. That was like the Marcus of Queensberry rules of like the way you you do you, know, you do fights. Like everything's respectful, and if someone an opponent needs time, you give it to him. And he was like, "Hold on," or whatever. But the guy could like literally throw him across the room. <laughs> and then with the little shock device, I thought it was just amazingly done. Mm-hmm. I know it's it, it's like an OP weapon, but then it ended up not being. Um, you know, towards the end of that, you know, sort of fight overall. Um, I thought this scene for all of its sort of uh, grandeur that it mm-hmm. had going on was so masterfully done. It had me on the edge of my seat and I've seen this movie multiple times and every time I watch it, I'm still like feel myself just sort of like catching my breath a little bit, you know, at certain mm-hmm. points during it where I'm like, okay, they're running. Okay. I could take a breath. And then he finds him and like the humor of like him picking up the tiny little hammer and throwing it at the dude and just kind of bounces off of him. You know, I mean, that's so stupid and has been done like a million times, but I thought that the way like the French guy reacted and Robert Downey Jr. reacted, like everything was just well done. I, I, I love this scene. Mm -hmm. The guy in real life, uh, his name is Robert Miley, Miley. And he looks like he is, uh, Six foot eleven, so he's a huge man. Yeah, good casting. Well, he was definitely huge. <laughs> um, no, they nailed that part as well. Uh, and then I just think that you get to the end, you have a big fight scene. You have um, the mystery of why, um, you know, Rachel McAdams' character is trying to escape with this, uh, you know, this poison gas, this Moriarty link, and then you get a great scene on the Tower Bridge, the building of the Tower Bridge. Um, with what is Rachel McAdams' character name? I don't know, but she's—I mean, it's—it's it's accurate to the books. I just don't remember. So her uh, Blackwood and Holmes were the fight scene on top of the uh, in, under construction Tower Bridge, and I thought that was great too. And you get a gruesome, amazing for Lord Blackwood. The you know it's, it's ironic because he actually gets you know actually hung. One of the earlier scenes is him getting fake hung. Yeah. You know, and uh, water, uh, Holmes goes through and explains, I know what this was. I know this part. You used, a, you know, a, a neuro agent to fake your death. You did all these things. Um, and they left the one question un- unanswered, which was, how did he survive his initial hanging? And then I'm like, well, that's kind of lame. Like, why didn't they get into that? Maybe they couldn't think of something. And then in one of the, it's almost like a post credit scene. You know, Watson goes in and, and Sherlock is hanging from the from a rope. But he had figured it out, you know, and so now we got the answer to truly every little misdirection. And they had totally convinced the audience and everybody in the city that Blackwood had real magic powers just for Sherlock to never even once doubted. And he had he had gathered everything up and he knew every chemical that would have done this or that and had it all figured out. I loved it. Great uh, two reveal. things. Two things. Number one, uh, Rachel McAdams character name is Irene Adler. OK. But they don't really say her name that often. So there's there's a reason we wouldn't necessarily pick up on that. Yeah. Um, secondly, it is like one of those quirky movie uh, tricks that they that smart directors and writers can do when you're able to take everything that you just watched for an hour and 45 minutes 
and break it down into like a monologue mm-hmm. and realize that he's just kind of been like putting these pieces of the puzzle together the entire time, but wasn't entirely sure. Right. Until, until the end and had a, a great sort of, if you want to call it like a backlog of ideas. And then once he had been with the machine at the end was able to kind of piece together the entirety of the plot of the bad guy. Right. And to be able to do that with a two hour movie where you have all of this buildup and then a lot of it was playing on like public fears, right. Uh, Rumors and myths and, I heard from so-and-so that Lord Blackwood raised a guy from the dead or, you know, or all that stuff, which is kind of funny given what kind of society we're living in today with, you know, QAnon or Ian and conspiracy theories and all that stuff. It kind of, it kind of fits. Um, But, but to be able to do that and then he explains it in like 30 seconds and you're like, fuck, you knew the entire time. And I totally buy it. Like that's, that's an unbelievable job of the writers, the directors, and the actors to be able to pull something like that off. So uh, that was amazing to me. They crushed one. They set up the next movie as well. Go ahead. One other thing we just have to mention, how great was the music, right? So we have that kind of repeating harpsichord. Ding, ding. Hans Zimmer, baby. And then I look, yep, Hans Zimmer. I'm like, oh, that's why the music absolutely banged. Like original compositions for it. So good. I mean, this movie, this is one of my favorite movies I've watched in any of the rewatches, like, is it better than any of the Batman movies? I feel like, or more fun or something like it was so good. It was just perfectly done. I mean, you, you first of all, sorry, I ruined your Hans Zimmer moment. I should, no, have, no, that's I should have just spoke up. Um, but you're right. And that this movie kind of has everything. Like, do you want mystery? We got it. Do you want humor? We got it. Do you Funnier want quality either, fight yeah. scenes? We got it. Do you want like great acting? We got it. Do you want a great like buddy cop movie? Done. Yeah. Do you want a, a love interest that like kind of toes the line of like is she or isn't she? Fantastic. Uh, do we have like genuine villains that are believable? Done. Yeah. Like every this, this it ticks all the boxes. Just loved it. And I, I know that the next one, which I'm now so excited to watch, this one was on Netflix, right? And the next one is not. Next one is on Hulu. HBO. HBO HBO Max. So I'm so excited, and I'm I know this gets into Moriarty, which I love, but I know it's not as good as the first one. So I I'm just checking my expectations a little bit, but I I I remember really enjoying it. So there is a scene that is so eerie and scary and creepy and perfect in this one though that I love. One of my favorite okay. scenes in a movie. It's Moriarty, whatever his, that, that actor's name is. Uh, he shines in the scene. And I like this because Sherlock is so used to winning the battle of wit every single time, and he doesn't always win it in this one. And so yeah. I love the chess game that's being played between the two of them from start to finish. And I love how the slow motion scenes will not just be for Sherlock in this one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. Well, and by the way, the casting, I think it's Jared, whatever, the guy that was so fucking good in the, the, um, you know, Russian meltdown movie, the Chernobyl show. That guy's so oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him, right? So great casting. Um, kind of plucked him up before he even broke big. So can't wait. Book of Shadows, Game of Shadows. 
playing Game of Shadows. Game of Shadows Game coming of Shadows. up. Jared Harris. Wait, I might watch it tonight. Jared Harris. Yeah. Jared Harris. Yes. So that was. Rewatch My Dear Watson. <laughs> I could literally do an entire screencast episode talking about this movie. I loved it. Like if, if we broke we it down a long time. scene by scene. Like, I don't think we have time for much else. Well, although we do have to do our new segment. I think that we should skip it until next week. Okay. I think I'm good with that. We got a sportscast to knock out. I'm excited about that too. Real Wanda talk before we get out of here. Oh yes. Okay, good. Because we do have, before we release another screencast, this shit's going to be wrapped. Mm -hmm. We're coming up to this following Friday, final episode. So if you guys are not through eight episodes, I believe it was called, was it the, the fourth wall? Was that what it was called? No, no, that that was the the episode before this was previously on, I believe. Previously. Which makes sense when you look at the, content of the episode um so uh this was if you guys haven't watched the first eight episodes please tune out now come back later come back after you're all caught up come back after you watch the show and hear our takes on this because this will be full of spoilers and we don't want to ruin wandavision for you because it is awesome if you don't think that you're gonna love wandavision you're wrong you're gonna love it keep watching it because you might not like the first three that much but you will love everything after four or five Oh, I just think that, like, if you went back and watched it now and you were looking for all the Easter eggs, I think you'd be like, oh, all the stuff that I thought was boring was literally just them pouring Easter eggs on top of my head over and over over for the entire show. Um, I do think that the show was brilliant. I think sometimes it was mistaken for boring because you didn't understand what they were trying to do yet. Mm -hmm. But as it has gone through the decade, it has gotten better and better. And we're at the end here. Um, we found out in episode seven that it was uh, Agnes uh, who was doing this the whole time. She has powers over Wanda in her little basement lair. And mm-hmm. you get a really cool, um, most of the episode was them going through Wanda's um, visions, for lack of a better term, of her life. And uh, you get to see like a different camera angle or a different version of these things that were happening in Wanda's life. Um, Some Mm -hmm. of them happened in movies. Some of them we had just heard of. And I thought that this was so well done. It was like, it was like um, ghosts of Christmas past, present, future, you know, but Wanda vision. And it was really awesome. I thought they crushed this and it was a really cool look into Wanda all the while they completely retconned her character. They did. I noticed that. So by the time they got to the part where she's getting her powers, well, before that even, right? So they, so with the bomb, Agatha Harkness had figured out the reason you guys didn't blow up was not because the, the missile was a dud. You had witch powers. You were a young witch and didn't know it. And you protected you and your brother. And then the Mind Stone and the, the stuff they did was only because you were already powerful that that even worked, right? They killed everybody else that tried it. It worked on her. And why is that, Eric? Well, only for the activated these powers because Wanda is actually a mutant. And they okay. got so close to saying mutant without actually saying it in this episode. I would assume that we are going to get the word mutant. Finally, for the first time ever in the MCU in episode nine. And I think that's really I wonder exciting. if, 
you know, and we're still waiting for this astrophysicist person to come into play who we don't know who that is yet. Um, and I wonder if they're going to come in and say, well, we don't, right, Ryan's giving me a look, right? Didn't they say, I have an I a astrophysicist friend coming in? We don't know who that is yet, right? That person. What's up? I believe we've already seen that person. She's, uh, it was the girl who made the vehicle. Darcy. No, not Darcy. It's, it's, um, oh. it's the girl who oh, made the yeah, yeah. And I believe it's going to be, I believe she's going to be a Cree girl who's disguised as a human right now. Um, okay. Uno cards in episode seven in uh, Captain Marvel. Her Cree friend is playing Uno with her. Um, and so I do okay. think that we've seen so her. So that did happen. Well, somebody's going to reveal and figure this out, and and I I do think that they probably will touch on that. I mean, they definitely, you know, in the 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 movie so far, they had it set up like normal person just down on on her luck and volunteered for these experiments or was taken in to do them, and that's what gave her the powers were the mind stone. Well, they're saying she had the powers, mind stone magnified it and allowed her to live through and gain those powers. They literally went back and retconned it by writing a nine part show to build mutants into the MCU and her opening the multiverse or her doing something that opens the multiverse, which I believe what will happen in episode nine will be where the mutants will come from, or it will be a way that their genes are activated mm -hmm. for the first time ever. And I do think that this show, its main purpose, whether they give us huge reveals or they disappoint us with just giving us like Dr. Strange, um, I think that the big thing to come from this is that they will have given you a story and a reason why after purchasing X-Men, they have now placed them into the MCU. Mm -hmm. Slowly but surely. Now, um, there's plenty of things that could happen here. Um, we did see her kids um, who were being, I don't know, like attacked and tortured by Agnes. Um, but if you remember... Held captive at the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you remember, though, Agnes thinks this is crazy because she knows that those kids don't exist. Right. But I think that they will. At the, I think that they will not disappear. They will. I think that she will have her kids. Wanted she will not have vision. So, so in the in the in the House of M, um, which this show seems to be based off of, she loses the kids. They don't die, but she loses them. She is unable to control them or have them for whatever reason and they grow grow up to be superheroes in the mcu mm -hmm. they were like x-men but or junior x-men but they are not you know with her at least for some portion of this okay. um, we also saw white vision which was really cool at the end so we know yeah so he's a bad guy just literally like a killing machine he's like a like a emotionless robot who with all the vision powers of vision yes you don't want to say you don't want to so, say sentinel do you do you think that yeah <laughs> do you think that somehow vision that it has the memories of a vision or whatever the, the one that's in the the hacks is going to merge with the white version and then he will live or do you think he will die i think that he well, already had twice. I mean, here's the thing with Vision. He literally is a computer program. So he could literally be downloaded into a Vision body at any point. I think mm -hmm. that they, if they didn't have a plans to bring him back, Paul Bettany has been so electric is in this show, even though he has 
not had a huge part the last few episodes, then mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if they find a way to bring Vision back into the MCU in some capacity. Um, but I do think that they could give you a real emotional moment in this show with even this Vision who doesn't remember, doesn't know, sacrificing yeah. himself in some way for Wanda. Because I will say, like, their love and the importance of their love, I feel like, has... Um, gotten better and grown deeper as the show has gone on, and I appreciate that about the show. Well, they've been literally, yeah, building it since episode one. We would be remiss not to mention a quieter scene of this episode that I think is the best scene that's happened in the whole show so far. Um, It's when, you know, Wanda had just lost Pietro. She's at the house, you know, that we had seen living with Vision, whose Vision is essentially there to, like, guard her. Um, And, you know, he sits down on the couch and talks about grief and is like, you know, I've never had that. I've never been able to experience that because I've never loved anything that I could lose. But it can't all be sorrow, you know, and, and grief to me seems like it's, you know, love persevering. I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting like choked up about a witch and a fucking android. This is crazy. Like, it was so good. The acting in that scene was amazing from both of them. It was great. We nailed this uh, big time. It was wonderful. Um and I just can't wait to see where they're going to take this show in the next episode, the final episode. Now, we have spent a lot of time arguing uh, via text message about how far they're going to take this show. And An inordinate amount of time arguing. Like yeah. a time that we shouldn't be spending, but we are. <laughs> time that we could be spending with our families. And what I mm-hmm. will say is my, my only argument is Disney Plus has changed the game in the last year. They have changed how people consume content maybe forever. And they have done nothing but give us huge reveals in Mandalorian, their first show like this. This is their first thing of phase four in the MCU. It's their first Marvel show on Disney plus they have 87 million subscribers. They're about to jack the price up. They want it to get to a hundred million or more. They're going to make infinity dollars off of Disney Plus for as long as people watch TV. And I think that they're going to give us some really cool stuff here. Now, I don't think it's going to be giving us the whole story, but I think that they're going to give us a few puzzle pieces to start the big stories and the big reveals and the big mysteries of Phase 4. And we know that mutants are part of that. So I think there's some type of cool mutant reveal I said the other day that I thought it would be um, Ian McKellen, her her father in the uh, comics, uh, Magneto. I think that you could bring Ian McKellen in for 15 super impactful seconds. They did say there was a Luke Skywalker level thing that happens in this show. And yeah. I don't know what that could be other than revealing some really cool character in the last episode. I hope so. I don't know that that's true. I think that they just established that she loved loved her parents and missed her parents. And now you're trying to say that the dad that we met in these flashbacks, just this last episode, is going to be revealed to be not her dad? Um, I don't know about that. They're about to open up the multiverse, and there's going to be multiple universes of all of these characters and all of these worlds. And they can do anything. The rules are not... I don't think they're ready to open up the multiverse at the end of their first show. And I'm Eric, a lot, let me premise, preface this by saying, 
I think a lot of the things that you theorize about make a lot of sense. I really do. But then like part of me looks at the way Marvel does things and none of it is playing their first ace right away. Right. A lot of it is keeping everything very close to the vest, slow playing, world building, universe building, uh, uh, galaxy building even to the point of you feel like nothing is happening, but really you're you're not understanding the bigger picture. And so I feel like for them to take their first show, WandaVision, and be like, we're going to introduce X-Men. We're going to open up the multiverse. We're going to do all of this in one remaining episode. Seems a little bit too big of a bite mm-hmm. to take off in the first pass. Well, what would and you I think? think no, but hold on. Reasonable I think, thing. I think all of it's happening at some point. I just don't think we're getting mutants and the multiverse at the end of WandaVision. I don't, I I don't think it. that's happening. So I think, and I said this via text, I think it's going to play into Loki and the TV show somehow. Mm. Because everything that Marvel has done up to this point is one thing leading into the next. And so I think they're, they may touch on the fact that Loki took the little cube thing and did something in the multiverse. And I think that might be the next piece because then that's going to lead into Dr. Strange and they're going to build on that. Remember, there may be dead in this at this time of the show. Okay, but Loki's the next TV show. Probably so that's all TV show. Okay, he can be alive in a different and he's not universe. Right. The next TV show is uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But as far as as far as the magic pieces go, Loki's the next one, and I I just think that I think that. Darcy coming back is too coincidental for it not to be something Thor related. Um, so I think, I think Loki may have some role in this and that might be the Luke Skywalker moment, but I I'm grasping at straws because I, know I don't really know. It's going to be a magical character and it's going to be ready for the biggest moment. Luke Skywalker level Wong, Wong baby. I think the biggest, the, the, the floor is Doctor Strange? Yeah, I think no, I get that, and I, I think that I think that's probably who it is. That's what I, I'm guessing, and we might be a little disappointed, but I'm guessing it's going to be done in a really cool way. You know, like Doctor Strange's magic is always green, and we'll we'll get to see that compared to like you know Scarlet Witch's red or um, you know Agatha Harkness's purple. It'll just kind of look awesome. Them fighting, all three fighting together, and then Vision will come in and just whoop ass on White Vision. I think that it's going to be a big action movie. So I don't know how much time we have for like explanation of this, this plot and mutants and all these things. I think it's going to be, maybe they'll leave it like, yeah, we discovered what this place is. It's the nexus. It's a place where, you know, you can move between worlds and they'll just leave it there. That would be really disappointing. Well, I don't know. I think I'm prepared to be, I'm I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm going to love it. Yeah, I agree. I'm with Jimbo. I think, that's not disappointing. I think that's world building. It's slow play. It, they're they're not giving you all of the highlights at the end of their literal first series of ten that they have planned for the next two years. 
I think that they're they're gonna they're playing by a different set of rules with the multiverse. And that's for the next few years, they're gonna be able to do anything, they're gonna be able to bring anyone back, they're gonna be able to introduce different versions of the same people. They're going to be able to do anything they want. The rules are there to be broken for the next three years, at least until Multiverse of Madness. I hope you're wrong. Or uh, sorry, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I I, sorry, I apologize. I, I I really hope I'm wrong, and that they 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 move things quicker. But just seeing what they've done over the last ten years, everything has been really slow. And so I would anticipate like maybe they might speed things up slightly, but I don't think they're going to introduce mutants and the multiverse of madness at, or the multiverse at the end of this WandaVision. I think it's, I think it's one or the other and it makes a lot more sense for the multiverse personally. Agreed. With, Agreed. with some kind of comment that, that some line that's like, wow, something is happening with people's genes. We need to wa- take a look at this, but in, that, that might even be a post credit. You know, this is this, this story is the house of M is what this story has been this whole time. Mm-hmm. It is almost Frame for frame, House of M, which is her speaking mutants into existence. And so her power here to change things, we've already seen that she could change things inside the hex that came. And and then when they leave the hex, they're different based on just what she did with her mind. And so I think the ability for the mutant gene to be activated is going to happen because of her. And that's what this whole story is going to come down to. And then I just think that, like, they gave us this hint of Pietro from the X-Men universe. And so I'm not saying that they're giving you the X-Men or the X-Men are going to be in any movies at all. Mm -hmm. I think that is the slow play. I think that you're going to know that they know we're not stupid. We we all know that X-Men are coming. They know we know X-Men are coming. Everyone knows it. And they're going to – it's just like we all knew that he was going to pick up Thor's hammer. We all knew that he was going to say Avengers Assemble. We all knew about the snap. We all knew all of these things were going to happen. But they're so masterful at how slow they give you things, and they give you things at the right time. And so that's why my thought has been, I think that they could introduce the X-Men as Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. But they'll never be Magneto and and uh, Professor X in their universe. They will recast them, but they will be from a different universe they will be your first introduction to mutants, but they will not be your introduction to X-Men. Okay. But when they finally introduce X-Men five years from now, you know, through numerous post-credit scenes, and they eventually, five years from now, you get your first X-Men movie, or ten years from now, even, who knows? I think that they will have just set up the fact that this exists before, long before that. And I just think that because it's a multiverse thing, they can go anywhere that they want. So I'm hoping for something cool. I'm going to be disappointed if it's not something big. And they've set the precedent that Disney Plus is must own. And it is the place where big things happen. And I think that they're going to not disappoint. I hope that I'm right. Okay. Well, Friday, we'll find out. I can't wait. We will find out. All right, guys, that's it. That's all the time we have on this super long edition of the Nordies podcast. We have a sports cast till this week. We're going to talk lots about the wild. So then we can't wait to chat about the hottest team in the NHL, the Minnesota wild. So here we go. Thank you guys for listening to the Nord East podcast. <laughs>